Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and we're here to talk about the premiums in Supercoach 2023. I'm joined by Pistol. Hello, how are you? I'm doing very well. I've uh, been changing my team probably more than I've changed it in the past, um, but <laughs> I think that's that's quite that's a good thing. There's a lot of information coming in and yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I would love to say that in agreement with confidence, but I change my team a lot traditionally, so I, I actually don't know if I'm just being normal crazy or, or crazy crazy. <laughs> um, but there are so many players coming in and out. Each intra-club makes me viciously change everyone in my team. It's, it's embarrassing almost. I, I, it's like I need to delete the app, but I, I just can't get enough of it. It is the silly season. It's the most enjoyable um, part of the year for Supercoach, I think. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, before we get into the podcast, we've got a couple of things to talk about. Firstly, we've got some new Patreon signups, of course. Uh, so thank you to everyone supporting us on there. I'm going to shout them out now. There are no difficult names. So if I stuff any of these up, I will donate $50 to the Cancer Council. Oof, so we're going to start off huge. with Simon. Welcome, Simon. Um, Jacob Nottage. Welcome. Nick Mooney. Daniel Sterling. And Matt Cairns. If I messed any of those up, then you're lying. <laughs> Well, thank you for shouting out the uh, Cancer Council, JB. Probably, um, I mean, we've only haven't done too many podcasts in the preseason on the the uh, on this feed, but the Cancer Council um, donations are still going ahead in 2023. So, if you are enjoying the episode, or do cop a donut in the preseason, um, there's, Did I say there's still Council? the uh, Cancer Council donation link. 
Yeah, you said you donate to the Cancer Council if you got name wrong. Oh, I thought I thought you said thanks for shouting out the Cancer Council as if I said these are the Cancer Council donations. Which no, 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 it's just names. Oh my, that, just, just in general talk. Okay, okay, no. okay. <laughs> no, good segue, good segue. Um, I also do need to say that the Doctor's Daily Doses are underway. You and I know that quite well. We've just done a bunch of them. Um, a lot of fun. Obviously, that's when we do 30 podcasts in 30 days for our Patreon uh, listeners. We're up to, what is today? Day seven. Day seven, Mondays. Yeah. We're 23 days seven. away from from Supercoach starting or 24 or five days. I think we gave it a one or two day buffer to give everyone a, a breather. Um, but yeah, those are well underway. So if you do want to catch 30 podcasts in 30 days, that's just one sign up that you can do. Um, to, to sort of binge all those in, which is great. Um, our first mini textbook on Patreon um, based on risk assessment in Supercoach has been released as well um, as the merch store, which is obviously also dropped uh, a few weeks ago. Getting a lot of um, a lot of purchases through there, so thank you everyone for their support on the merch store. Um, I don't want to say we we're super nervous about launching it, but you just never know with Supercoach-related merch, um, but it just goes to show that our our followers are just loyal to the bone and, and support us in every way. So we're very appreciative for anyone who's dipped into that as well. Uh, and lastly, Pistol, yes, YouTube. YouTube has launched. It's had really good feedback so far. Um, we're getting a bunch of subscribers, brand new subscribers. Um, obviously, we haven't been active on YouTube ever, um, but this year we're really giving it a crack. So if you've gone over to our YouTube and, and viewed commented liked or subscribed we're very appreciative uh, for all that as well and if you haven't yet uh my team reveal is over there chizo's team reveal and pistol do you have a eta in yours uh not an eta but i think uh, we're still building i haven't still uh setting up things in my house fixing up the room so once i yep. get all that sorted i'll be doing some more of the youtube sort of stuff but yeah we're right. slowly building into the uh youtube um this season and we'll we'll, we'll be Running full pelt before round one, I think. Well, no pressure, but most of my comments on my YouTube were "Where is Pistol?" So, <laughs> I, I think the people want to want to see where your team's at this year for sure. After seeing um, your team, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're, it's all the negative people that have no one to bully <laughs> after seeing my perfection. Uh, they're yeah, like, "Where's yeah. Pistol?" We'll, we'll get that guy instead. <laughs> um, no, so we'll again. We're very appreciative for everyone who's head down there and um, and had a look. So um, it's been great. It's uh, it's been a good launch from us so far. Twenty twenty three. We're enjoying it. Um, having said all that, we're going to dive straight into the podcast. It is going to be prize a long league. <laughs> the prize. Yeah, sorry, you're right. The prize league. Um, we we have a prize league this year, as per usual, um, in our Patreon. Um, this might be a little bit catered to the Patreon um, followers already, but stuff it. We, you guys are our priority, of course. Um, but the prize league this year is getting a bit of a revamp, uh, and the prizes are going from essentially one mug per month for the, the, the monthly winner. Um, we're now increasing that to three mugs per month, one for the winner, one for second place, and one for third place. Um, as well as a bogey prize given out to to someone towards the bottom of the ladder and just a random prize given out to someone anywhere on the ladder. Um, so that's in a prize group. Um, on top of all that, we've got a prize for winning the entire competition, so having the number one Supercoach score after the entire season. And that is going to be Pistol. I'm excited to announce this. There is going to be a Chizo bobblehead, a Pistol bobblehead, and JB bobblehead distributed to the winning coach once off um, prize or, or first ever prize. We're not sure if we'll run it again next year. Um, but right now, that is going to be, in my opinion, 
maybe the most expensive prize we've given out in, in any competition. <laughs> probably. Um, but at the yeah. very least, the most personal uh, and the, probably the most hilarious. So um, look forward to that. That's going to be incredible. So it's... Um, Got to be in before round one for that one. Yes, yes. You can't just sit and notice that you're having an incredible season and then dive in after that. Uh, that's a pre-round one requirement. So jump into our prize league. Uh, we're very excited for that to take off um, this year. So... With all that being said, can I can I start the podcast, Pistol? Uh, please, I've been waiting for about five minutes. Okay, sorry, that was, <laughs> that's my fault for waffling on. Um, so we've got the premium defender, midfielder, ruck and forwards to talk about. Um, essentially, to keep this a bit um, short and short of waffle, which it hasn't been so far, uh, we're going to give a overrated or underrated vote on these guys. Um, that's going to be based on maybe price, ownership, uh, et cetera, whatever we think might qualify um, as to whether the community is overrating or underrating a selection um, on Supercoach. So without further ado, let's get into our defense. And we're starting with Jack Sinclair, 626K, $200. Um, starts with an ownership of 8.7% as we, as we speak right now, Pistol. Is Jack Sinclair overrated or underrated in your opinion? Just just since it's the first one, is there an option that's like neither overrated or underrated or I have to pick one? I'm sad you asked this because I'm picking neither underrated nor overrated on this one. Um, and I wanted to be the first one to do that after making you pick overrated or underrated. But I guess we can also say adequately rated. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say underrated anyway. So you can still be the first <laughs> one. Why you can still be. You can still be the first one. I just want to ruin your. Uh, you've been the first one asking. No, I just want to get the rules cleared up before we move. So you said it, underrated. Yeah, I think underrated. He's in eight point seven percent of teams, which isn't too much. I'd still call that in the POD territory. And at the end of the day, he was a number one rated midfielder last season. His numbers were defender. Sorry, defender. You're right. His numbers were incredible he barely dipped below 100 just the three times and all of the, these are nice tons as well like 110 pluses um he pretty much had the ball on the string and whilst i understand the reason for not selecting him because of the price and because the game style for saints might um change to uh, a more a faster pace i still think at the end of the day he's going to be cleaning up in the back line still getting those cheap possessions at the end of the day so uh, i think he'll be a good pick um regardless just yeah so under, underrated because of that ownership okay i'm gonna say overrated what, what why did you bring that up uh, uh no you brought it up i was just okay. answering your question okay, um, i'm gonna say overrated um 8.7 percent. i don't think he he should be much lower percentage wise but i think the risks are quite clear with sinclair um predominantly the price 626k for sinclair uh with a new coach new new tactics um, there's a, I think there's a lot to go under the bridge as well as the fact that he is um, going to be looked at a lot closer by opposition this year. I'd be surprised if he avoided the tag all season long. Um, I think this price is just screaming to, to, to dip throughout the season. Uh, and with players like Stuart, Doherty, Dawson, 20 plus K cheaper, um, I think there's just a, a lot more scope to go down and save a bit of money rather than go up to Jackson Clare. So I'm going to start off by saying overrated. All right, first disagreement on the first player. I love it. I hope there's plenty more. Well, I love disagreeing. Um, <laughs> are we, we'll just move swiftly on to the next one then, I guess. Go for it. Um, this is a new format for us, so uh, I'm trying to trying to <laughs> iron out the creases here. Um, James Sisley, 23.5% ownership. I'm going to say adequate on this one. 
Um, I think that seems quite fair for who I think is a good chance of being the number one defender uh, for this season. I mean, 16 tonnes last year, low of 87, super consistent. I mean, I look at some of these other players, um, I mean, maybe a bit spoiler, but Dawson is in a lot of teams and he had a, an amazing role of that halfback, um, you know, after rounds, I think it was like eight or nine last season once when I jumped on him and he averaged 114 for the rest of the year and I was like, oh, damn, that's good. But Sicily just averaged that for the entire season. So uh, if, when you're paying 20K more than those other guys, the Stuarts, Doherty and Dawson, um, but you're getting the sort of consistency that Sicily brings. And I, I don't really see that changing next year either. Um, I think 23%, I think that's a, an adequate amount of ownership for his, his price and output. You're not concerned about the coach's comments that he's going to be a bit more versatile or at least been training to be more versatile this season? No, I mean, look, last season he did have to take the number one defender at times. I have don't know why the coach is saying we're training for that because he, he definitely did. And then he still scored well in those games. I, I think at the end of the day, the ball's in the back line a lot for Hawthorne. He still does take some kickouts and he's just around the footy all the time. And even when he played that quarterback um, role for that one game last year, he still scored super well. So I, I don't think there's a bad position for Sicily except up forward. And I don't believe the coach is going to do that. So I think he's fine. I'm going to say... By the way, I didn't mention the price, 624K. I'm going to say underrated for Sicily. 23.5%. He's, he's, he's 13% less owned than Tom Stewart, uh, who we'll get to next. And I think that is just incorrect. I, I think Sicily last year showed exactly what he's capable of and nothing has changed within their dynamics. In fact, if anything, they've gotten worse as a team and Sicily averages better in losses than he does in wins, crazily enough. Um, so I, I just don't feel like there's anything to really negatively impact him this season. Um, and the price is about exactly the limit of what you would want to pay for someone like Sicily, but um, that's what he's priced at. So I, I think there's scope for him to price a lot of people out and the sleep at night factor for starting with James Sicily, who, by the way, has, I think, the either the best or the second best super coach point start to the season in terms of his opposition teams, um, I, I think there's every every possibility that he's too expensive for everyone to get in at, at round six or seven when upgrades are starting. All right. So the third player here, JB, Tom Stewart, 604K. He's in 36.6% of teams. Overrated or underrated? Well, starting with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say overrated. Ooh, um, I'm going to, you're, you're pulling out all the hot takes, I think, this podcast. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. And by the way, this doesn't mean that I think he's a bad pick at all. Um, just in terms of ownership, I think he's being overrated. Um, we saw towards the end of the last season that he's taggable um, and tagging him successfully actually bodes really well for the opposition team because he, he's just so incredibly good at, uh, at doing what he does, loose in defense. So Geelong will do everything to free him up, but I think the fact that he did get the tag late in the year, I think it's opened a lot of teams' eyes to what they could potentially do to him this year. Um, and the fact that they start without a game at GMHBA for the first five or six rounds um, is also, it's not significant because he plays well at the MCG as well, but I think it's enough to say that I want to get him in eventually, but I don't necessarily need to start him. And 36.6% is massive. That That is so many coaches. Um, so I'm just going to say slightly overrated at this point. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I can uh, tell you've done your research on this one, JB. For yeah, so for for pretty much all all the same reasons. Sam Doherty is our next guy. Seventeen percent of teams 
Um, is he overrated or underrated? He's $603,600, $400 cheaper than Tom Stewart, by the way. Yeah, I think this is an adequate. 17% is still quite a lot. Um, I think that's fine for his price. He's Look, he's really good. I mean, he he's a guy that goes, you know, 120 plus more often um, than those, you know, peppering that, that ton mark. So he's someone that can price you out and can hurt you. So for his price and that, that ownership, I think he's that that's solid and I, I'm comfortable that he's in the, the amount of, yeah, I'm just comfortable with it, I think. <laughs> so, I don't have much more that, to that say is about the definition of adequate. I guess <laughs> that, that, that whole explanation can be considered adequate. Um, so, seventeen percent ownership. I'm going to say he's slightly underrated, just slightly. I think he could be around the twenty percent mark, um, with a few people having a bit more confidence in Doherty. Um, I think it's go. It goes under the radar that he didn't have a preseason last year. In fact. You go as far to say that he, he had the worst preseason possible, um, obviously going through chemotherapy for his cancer treatment, um, and then just dived into round one and looked like an, the incredible superstar that he is. Now, this season uh, with a full preseason and training a little bit in the midfield as well to potentially cover some injuries, I think Doherty has the scope to go on a run of games that could potentially see you priced out for a, a good amount of time. So I really like Doherty this season. I think he's going slightly under the radar, and I'm going to call him... Uh, underrated at this point only just only just um we're going to go to jordan dawson next six hundred three thousand one hundred dollars um he's owned by 18.3 percent of teams i know you're a big jordan dawson fan pistol so i'll let you start off with this one yeah i'm a fan of jordan dawson but i do think he's overrated in the community i i just i think he's really good and i will plan to get him at some point i just don't know if he's better than cicely stewart or doherty and that you know, given people can only, well, in a lot of teams, they're only choosing one player above 600K down back. It's rare to see one to two. Um, the teams that then chose Dawson as the best one, when I kind of am leaning towards him being the worst one, um, that makes me think he's a little bit overrated. It's just purely his his upside. I know we've put out a couple of 140s, but he's, he's a guy that does pepper between that 100 and 110 range uh, more often than not. So, yeah, he doesn't have that same upside, I think, that some of those other guys have. And I get that last season he was shifted around a bit. But as I said earlier in the podcast, even when he settled on that halfback and was, you know, they were switching the ball to him and he was taking kickouts and all that, he still only averaged 114 after that point. So it wasn't like he went, you know, astronomical. Um, I, I understand the pick and I like him as a player. I just think he's a tiny bit overrated. I'm going to say adequately rated at 18.3%. Um, I think last season being his first year with the Crows, what he was able to produce was um, extremely positive. Now getting another year in now as captain of the football club, um, he seems like the type of guy who's really going to take that on his shoulders uh, and perform well. The only thing that worries me is the potential wing um, time. But last season, he played a little bit of forward, a little bit of everywhere at the beginning of the season where, they, like where he's still finding his feet. You could argue he's slightly underpriced based on that, um, especially if he doesn't do a lot of that this year. So I think he's adequately rated at 18.3. Um, if he was over 20 or under 15, I'd probably change my mind based on those. But um, I think this percentage sits well with me. Yep, fair enough. We've got the next one here, Adam Saad, 567,900. Only in 3.4% of teams. How does that sit with you, JB? Underrated for one reason. I mean, it's hard to say overrated on someone who's in 3.4% of teams anyway, but... But um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Um, look, I think his average without Zach Williams is incredible. 
Um, he he's a good thirty k cheaper than these guys. If you want to have a second defensive premium uh, and and you don't trust the five hundred k duo, I think Sard's in that middle range. That's that's doable. Um, and I think if we can extrapolate his season without half season without Zach Williams last year, he it bodes pretty well for him going forward this year. Um, However, I don't think that will extrapolate perfectly into him going 110 plus this year. I think it means that he's definitely capable of a 105 season. Yeah, I am going to say overrated, as alluded to before. I, I think people are buying him with the expectation that he'll match that. I think it was 112 average without Zach Williams in the side. And I tend to agree with you that I think that number probably comes in a little bit towards 105. One, because the, the Blues backline mix is going to change a bit from... Last season, whether that's Doherty moving more into the midfield, whether they put in um, some of the youngsters running through the back line, there's, there's things at play, and I don't think it's a guarantee that he can emulate Is 105 that. not good enough? No, no. I, I mean, I think 105 is good, and you, if you buy him at that price, you're probably satisfied with 105. So, so from underrated. that perspective, no, no, <laughs> not underrated. I just think he is 30K worse than Dawson and Doherty yeah. and Stewart I, and Sicily, yeah, in which case you may as well pay that 30K and get a top-line guys. I mean, most of as much as I said Dawson overrated, he's still got upside, right? Like, I, I would expect him to yeah. outscore his average, as I would Doherty, as I would Stewart, as I would Sicily. Um, so in that case, I feel more comfortable starting with one of those guys rather than Saad. So I think people that probably do have him, I think are buying him with that 110-plus upside that I, I don't believe is going to be achievable. So that, that's why I'm saying overrated. I think he's about 20K more expensive than like being in super underrated status. But at this price, you're right. He's so close to touching the gods of the defensive line. Um, and he, he could foreseeably be at this price during the season uh, multiple times. So I think you're swaying a bit there, um, but I'm still going to say underrated because I like him. Um, <laughs> Barry right. Dow is the next one. He's $561,100, 2.4% ownership. You have a strong feeling about this one. Um, super strong. Su- you're, not you're, super strong. You said I pre-podcast, make sure you throw Dale to me because I need to, <laughs> I got a bone to pick for the community. I think he's underrated at 2.4% of teams. One, because I think he's a better selection than Saad and that. He's 6K cheaper, so it doesn't make so much sense to me. And that's mostly with Daniel moved out of the back line, as we've seen. I mean, a lot of this is pending the the uh, intra-club matches and ensuring that Daniel has moved into the midfield because he did take um, a lot of kickouts. And if Dale is getting those percentage of kickouts, then he's just going to be underpriced just based on that. I do think he's a bit of a tag risk. Um, but with those extra kickouts, I think getting tagged or not getting tags, it increases your floor, and Dale will have a, a good floor, and hopefully those kickouts as well increases his ceiling as well as floor. So I think based on what he's currently priced at, he should be able to maybe not get into the next tier of defender like the Dawsons and the Stewarts, but I think he's probably the next best outside of them. That's my problem with Dale. I think adequately rated because I don't see him breaking into the top six, um, even with that um, that more profitable role, which um, would be if Caleb Daniel was out. I think Bevo being his coach hurts. Couldn't he be number six? No, I don't think he would be top six. No. So who's who's your sixth? Assuming you got Sinclair, Cicely, Stewart, Doherty, Dawson, who's five, who's number six? 
I think there's a fight between Young, uh, Dacos, and um, a couple of others that could wow. just burst up on there, yeah. Okay. No, that's surprised me. I guess we'll talk about it when we get to those players. We will. We will indeed. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I just think – I don't think he – well, I'm not, at the very least, I'm not confident he's in the top six. Um, and if I'm paying for that type of player, 561K, I want to see the upside of potentially top six. Side, you could sell me on the upside with no Zach Williams. Um, Bailey Dow, I don't think he's that much better without Daniel in there. Like Daniel did play some midfield time last year. Um, and I don't think Dale specifically went to the moon because of it. So um, I just think he's prone to prone to the lower games. I think he's prone to a tag, which he hasn't experienced a lot of. Um, and I think he's prone to Bevo, just, just doing Bevo things. So um, with all that in mind, I think adequately rated at 2.4%. Um, you've mentioned Caleb Daniel. I'm just going to quickly flip to him just for a quick over-under. 2.2% if he gets midfield time. Where do you sit on that one? Unders. I think people wouldn't be expecting to get midfield time just yet we need to see it in person in these matches I mean if he's a I don't know what percentage split is going to play but but let's pretend make believe he's a 100% midfielder I think at 495k at 2.2% in teams I think that would be uh, underrated Uh, at 100% yes I would agree Um, underrated I don't know. Uh, he's going to get mid-forward, I think, is what his role is going to be predominantly this year. Forward's not good. <laughs> no, and that's what scares me. That's why I think he's adequately rated at the moment. And Bevo factor scares me into thinking he might even be overrated at this point. Um, something to watch in the preseason, though, for sure. Um, Gus Brayshaw for Melbourne, 550K, $300, 7% ownership, over or under? I think this one is adequate. I don't think he's Ooh. particularly going to be... I don't think he has much upside. I think his price is 100 and he will average 100. Melbourne, I think... I mean, they, originally the talk was Brescia would be playing as a midfielder, but I think with Melbourne's talk about them using more players through the midfield, that kind of rules that out. I think there was an article, correct me if I'm out. wrong, as in he'll be playing through the midfield but not right, a full-time right, midfielder. Right. So yeah, yeah. I think that's when people wanted him was as a full-time mid. Um, I think they, there was an article that said he was going to be part of the back unit playing off the halfback flank. I, I think the thing is that there's too much confusion, too many questions right now to say that he's either underrated or overrated because at the end of the day, he's priced at 100 average. So how much more realistically can he go? If, if he plays as a full-time midfielder, sure, he can average 110 plus, but I'm, I'm quite confident that's not going to happen. And if he plays as a halfback flank, how much more then 100 can he go? Probably not. Probably not much at all. So I think adequate at 7% and his price doesn't make me want to bring him into my side. I'm going to say underrated at 7%. I think no matter what, whatever midfield time he gets on top of what he had last year um, is as much of a bonus of um, of getting above that 100-point average as, as anyone else. So I think the upside is clearly there and they're one injury away from Brayshaw being in that midfield rotation full-time uh, and getting some high spike games. I just don't see the downside in the pick. I don't see where it really goes wrong. It's I think hundred A 550K I, I, with a safe 100 average, I don't think I don't think that's too bad. I, I, I would be surprised if he went like considerably higher than 100. I think you're paying for exactly what you get. Potentially. I, I think he's got the upside of 105 plus. So that's where my thinking is. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I, I, I'm, when I say underrated, I think he's moderately underrated. I think <laughs> You're he like be, 7%, 105, adequate. <laughs> no, I think he could be 10 to 15% owned. That's and, a lot. 
yes, that is, that is it's like ten to fifteen percent. It's a lot. And no, and I think I think that's when I would if you let me finish. I think that's no. when I would start thinking overrated status. Is, no. if, is if you got towards that fifteen percent, but at seven percent, that that's like a few people taking a flyer. Um, I think he's better than that personally. I don't know. I just see five hundred and fifty k. I think you think you're saying you think you can go one hundred and five. If I agreed with that, sure. And there's you add fifty k onto that price at six hundred k, and you're looking at these guys who could go one hundred and fifteen in in Doherty, Stewart, you know, blah blah blah, all those top tier ones. Um, and for fifty k more, you're paying for. 50K is approximately 10 points. But we don't have an unlimited cap. Otherwise, I'd just say you get all the expensive guys. Like 50 No, but I'm just saying it's not cheap directions. enough that you get value out of the pick. I think. Okay, well, maybe yeah. these guys are cheap enough. We're going to go down to. Well, you wanted to do a quick drive by on uh, the Ridley and, and Redmond duo, 2.8% yeah. and 1.6%, respectively. Um, they're a preseason watch for you. I'm going to say overrated on both. Where are you at? <laughs> Over, overrated on on that you think they should be in less than the combined 4.4%? Yes. Wow. I'd love to hear why. They offer nothing in terms of value or points. I think uh, that might be particularly harsh given the game style that Essen have been putting out has been more control-based style with more kicking and marking and switching going on at the trainings. I don't know if they're good enough in actual real life to put that into practice versus AFL quality opposition. So that's what I'd need to see in the preseason. But if they can put it together and they're going to be a, a lot high, of teams high possession. Have a similar game style, but don't have defenders that average 105 plus. I mean, St Kilda were doing that last year and they have one. Which other teams are you thinking about? Well, I don't think, I don't think Redmond or Ridley is in a Sinclair mold with taking vast majority of kickouts and being the only guy who can exit the defense. No, but I mean Dawson is not dissim- too dissimilar to again though one he's of them. like the focal point. We're looking at two guys who can do it quite consistently. They split the kickouts. Um, I, I just don't see either one of these guys doing it unless you could like do a Dragon Ball Z fusion, like put an earring <laughs> on either of them, and then I'd be extremely interested. But that's what we had with Ridley two years ago, um, and he was great. And then Redmond came along and, and ruined it. So I just don't see either of these guys being relevant all season. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's that's very possible. We, we just need to watch them in the the uh, enough, preseason games and see see how they're looking. They'll, I do be, like a good be watch test. list. They'll be a good eye test pick. Hayden Young, eleven point three percent at five hundred and eight thousand two hundred dollars. <laughs> I feel like I need to throw to you first, given your takes of him being potentially top six defender. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess on what you're. You're going to say, but I'll let you say it. How do you feel about it, JB? He's just going to throw back like you're the host of this thing, are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Hayden Young is underrated at the moment. So, <laughs> shocked. Um, I'm shocked. He, he took the kick-ins and everyone said, oh, he's on the opposite team of Luke Ryan. And then he took the kick-ins on the same team as Luke Ryan and then he did it another time on the same team as Luke Ryan. So I think it's safe to say, pending what we see in the preseason, that he's going to have a good amount of the kick-ins as opposed to the last season. Um, by all reports, and I've got a few Fremantle friends with eyes over in the West, um, he has gotten more confident and, and better at his intercept marking. And that's all I need to hear if this guy is getting given the, the keys to the kickouts and he's a better intercept marker and disposer of the ball than last season. Um, if he's one of their exit strategies out of defense, I think he's a massively underrated pick. And I think... 
based on Fremantle's game style, their biggest issue last season was actually doing what he's going to be doing this year with the kickouts and exiting defense. And I think statistically that is proven. So um, they they seem to have found what what went wrong for them last season and then found a solution. And that solution looks to be Hayden Young. And I think he's going to claim all the points that come with that new role. Yeah, I tend to agree with most of what you said, except I don't have friends. Um, but right. <laughs> I will I will say, though, that he does come with that injury risk. He has been injured pretty much every yep. season he's played. So it's not like a slam dunk sort of pick, but I, I do rate him highly. So over or under pistol? I, I think he's underrated. Thank you. <laughs> I rest my case around. <laughs> um, maybe you just seemed like I was crazy for a second there. Um, all right. Lastly, for the defensive line, we've got Nick Dacos. And don't you dare let me speak on this one, Pistol. <laughs> I won't. Um, 45% of teams, I think that is overrated. Um, and that's purely on an ownership perspective play. I think that's wild for a guy that really is a wild card. I mean, I get it because he's in my current iteration of my team so I like the price points and I like Nick Dacos and I am a Collingwood fan and I am biased but I will say Nick Dacos could be anything I think he's too good of a player to go sub 90 so I take that off the cards I think there's you know a a 30% chance that he goes above um, you know around 95 and a 30% chance around 100 and a 30% chance around 105 with a tiny bit more the leftover you know um, percentage head in 105 plus but the fact that that's a possibility for me is why I have him in my side he he just I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn JB but I think as an offensive midfielder and the office offensive weapons that he has he would be in the top couple players in the AFL as an offensive midfielder and whoa, for that means whoa he's, yeah it's a second year player pistol already that's how good he is and that that's why he's played like eight minutes in the midfield <laughs> this, in his entire career you don't you could be blind watching the game and know how good Nick Dacos is that's that's how much it, it radiates through oh my lord um, he's he's yeah truly something special so I, I don't really want to put a limit on him um, but I do no, want to temper not. you've put him in the best <laughs> handful of players in the league but I do temper expectations when I am saying I'm genuine there's that 30% chance he goes 95 and that's not good enough at that price and that would make him as a failed pick so because of that, 45% ownership feels feels overrated to me. I think he's overrated as well. And that's because he's just got such a high ownership. I agree with that. Um, I do liken him to like a uh, – he reminds me of like Parrish in his early days. And you just hope that he gets to me for time and figures it out and goes tag-free and just has a successful year while he puts it all together. Um, I think a lot of people see that type of breakout from Nick Dacos and the midfield time is just even more enticing – um, I feel like if he was playing full-time in defense, he would have similar ownership anyway, um, getting kickouts. And, and for that reason, the fact that he is going to be mid and defense, he's going to get kickouts when he goes back. He's going to get the ball when he goes in the midfield. The only thing that really stands in his way this year, in my opinion, are the taggers. And I, I can't see a world in which he doesn't get tagged this year, at least once, twice, three times, depending on his form. This is just so good. He's just so good. Um, now, 45.1% of teams, does he get tagged back to this price? I'm not sure. There's the potential that he doesn't, and he's still underpriced massively. So I understand the the ownership, but for me, you cannot have an almost half competition-wide owned player um, in his second year and not be overrated. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that, but still on my team, so 
Love him. Yeah, he's in <laughs> mine as well. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to move to the midfield now um, and go through a few of these Uber premiums uh, before we get into some of the lower premium status players as well. So we're going to start off with the obvious one. He's the most expensive player in the game this year, and it is Rory Laird, $703,900. He's 12% owned. It's actually funny. I don't think there's ever been a year before where the most expensive player in the game is underrated at 12% ownership. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, spoilers, Clayton Oliver's in 45.3% teams. Um, and that's well, you're picking a lot of people are picking one of the two of them and are clearly picking Oliver over Laird. And that's, that's not where my heart sits. Uh, typically... <laughs> not going to lie, I have yet to start Clayton Oliver and been burned every single year by not owning him. And this is probably going to be another one of those years, JB. But um, Laird last season and the year before has been there, there has been no more consistent player than him. He just scores incredibly well. I think he has a low of 93 in the last year and a half. And that yep. was coming back after his hand injury. He finished 2021 with like 11 He's, tons He still had like a, a brace on as well in that hand injury return. Right, so yeah, he finished 2021 with 11 tons in a row. Then he comes back from his hand injury scores at 93 and another 90 score and then tons up basically for the rest of the season as well. So he's an incredibly consistent midfield option. Adelaide play late every week because, well, most weeks, not every week, but because of their uh, probably standing on the ladder is going to be towards the bottom end, which means he's a really safe captaincy option as well, which gives you a lot of faith especially for people that ruin their captaincy very often, like me last season. Um, there's just a lot of positives that I see in Laird, as well as um, I don't think there's a risk in um, massive game-style shake-up for, for Adelaide. I think it's going to be more playing um, the sort of Berry and, and Schoenberg through the midfield alongside Laird, not instead of Laird. So for me, I feel pretty comfortable with him as a selection and to see the most expensive and, in my opinion, the best scorer at only 12% ownership, it just sounds overrated to me. Underrated. Underrated. <laughs> underrated. Yeah, <laughs> Wrong one. Um, <laughs> as discussed pre-podcast, I'm going to use my super like on this one and say super underrated. Um, as we both know is a rule of this podcast with the over-underrated, that, that is where mine is going to be used. So I look forward to where you are going to use yours. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Glad you haven't thrown me under the bus here. That's totally fine. It's yeah, fine. I thought this was a plainly obvious one, but if you want to save it, then, then so be it. No, um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Laird is super, super underrated this year um, just for the consistency. And for everything that we know about Laird, like he, he's been building into this since he played in defense um, for the last five years prior. So um, he, he's an uber premium. I know he's 700K, but... Does does four K really make that much of a difference to people? If Clayton Oliver was two hundred dollars more, he'd have twenty percent less ownership. It's crazy <laughs> how much the small numbers mean to players in this game. Um, I'm happy to pay up for Laird. He's in my side. I think he's super underrated. Um, and on that note, Clayton Oliver is six hundred ninety nine k. He's owned by forty five point three percent of teams. I can't wait for where Pistol takes this one. I think that is. I'm deciding between adequate and overrated. No, you're not. To be honest, you're not. You're not deciding. You're using your super <laughs> like on the overrated side. No, no, no. Definitely not. I'm. I'm going to say adequate, um, oh. which oh. is probably a bit surprising to you. But I do think that Laird and Oliver are like the standout midfielders of the game. So I understand 
why he would have a high ownership. Um, he's really good. He's really consistent. I get it. I just think he's slightly worse than lead, and that's why I went with the lead underrated. But all of that, at the end of the day, is going to be a good selection. I mean, am I slightly concerned about his lingering hand injury still affecting him in the preseason? Yes. Um, if you're if you're trying to pick reasons not to pick Oliver, you can you can nitpick on that one. You can nitpick on the the higher Melbourne midfield rotations, but like, is that going to affect Oliver, who's like the best one of the best midfielders in the AFL? Probably not going to impact him so much. I, I think it, for a top two midfielder in the game or top two player in the game, I think having forty five percent ownership seems relatively reasonable to me. Yes, uh, I think you're correct in saying adequate. I agree that he's adequately rated. Um, 45% makes a lot of sense. He's obviously the uh, premier captaincy option tied with Laird. Um, I think this ownership makes a lot of sense, which is why Laird's ownership doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Um, but it, there's not much we can say about Clayton Oliver. He He's as close to a must-start, um, but it's just where you sort of save the money. And I think a lot of people are only picking one of these guys. Um, and, and so neither of them are must starts, I guess. But um, I think one of them, one of the two, is is close to a must start. So um, having that captaincy option, that safety, um, and trying to pick the one that just doesn't drop during the year, I think is super important. So um, I also side with Led in that argument, but um, I, I can't mount a single case against Clayton Oliver. So um, super, super good pick as well. Lockie Neal, $676,200. He's owned by 16.9% of the competition. This is super interesting as to where you're going to go with this one. I I actually don't know. So just get, talk, <laughs> talk it out and I'll think about my answer. I'm going to be boring and say adequate again. Um, I think this ah, is about, yeah. the right, about the right percentage for Lockie Neal. I mean, at the end of the day, He's still super expensive at 676k, and I don't think he's as good as Laird or Oliver. So it would make sense that his ownership would be, well, should be considerably lower than both of them. Um, and you take into the fact that little bit of an unknown with Dunkley in the midfield. Personally, I don't think it will impact Neil, and that's why I'm saying adequate. I think it's a fair price, fair ownership. However, there's that slight chance. It might impact him negatively. I mean, it might impact him positively as well. But um, yeah, for those reasons, I think I'm, I'd be fence sitting here and saying adequate. Yeah, I, I think he's a bit overrated. I think, in my opinion, he's still the tagable player at Brisbane. Um, I, I think for that reason, what about he's the luggage? Gonna, yeah, I think for that reason, he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna maintain his price. Uh, and I think at some point, he's going to just become a slightly more affordable. I know he's got an incredibly high ceiling. Um, people might think he's he's one of the better VC options, but I actually think this year we're blessed with VC options. I think there's quite a few that we're going to discuss um, shortly. So for Lockie Neal, I think slightly overrated at 17% ownership um, amongst some of the other names that I'm seeing here. Uh, so next is Took Miller. So 33.3% on Took Miller. Can you believe? Uh, that That's quite high. Yeah, I didn't realize Took Miller's uh, ownership was above 30%. Um, I'm probably going to go with overrated because that does surprise me. Um, maybe not by much, maybe like 8% too high. Um, I think I think Took is really good. And obviously, um, if you recall last year, I thought he'd be the number one midfielder uh, in the game, which he wasn't far from it, obviously. This is at number four over here. However, 
You know, there is a very much improving midfield around him, and I think that's going to start encroaching on part of his supercoach pie. He used to be the guy that had to do it all, but now he's having these support sidekicks like Anderson coming through. I think Raul might take it up another level as well. And typically Gold Coast have been a team that doesn't have heavy midfield rotations. They kind of stick to their guns um, quite literally, and I think that means that that upside might not quite be there uh, for Tuke. He can't really go up more CBAs. So if that's going to drop a little bit, um, he needs to yeah just keep improving as a player, which I think he can do. But I just think that ownership, his price is fair, but then his ownership doesn't seem to reflect that. Yeah, so I think of last year, and he had a stretch early in the season where he had a 76 against GWS, 105 against Carlton, 107 against Saints, 99 against Brisbane uh, before taking off and uh, only having really one more poor game for the season uh, against the Western Bulldogs, I suppose against Hawthorne and Thunder as well. But he did start a bit slow last year, and not to say that that's going to be a, a running theme, um, but it's enough to make me think that if he does have another patch like that, he also will drop a lot in um, in money. So he went to about 580k after that run, um, after starting at 677k. It's slightly more expensive than he is this year, but um, if I was willing to pay that last year, I should be more willing to pay that this year. But just coming off of a slightly burnt, uh, scolded coach, um, I'm not taking a grudge into this year, but I just remember that little patch and think... If that's what's going to be the norm, if he's going to have a little little down patch at some point in the season, um, I, I just think he's going to be right for the picking at some point. So I'm going to say slightly overrated. Um, I do think that he's one of the better, safer midfield selections. Um, in terms of safety, he's probably adequately rated, but um, with all things considered, I think he's slightly overrated. Mm, that's an interesting take. Um, but you're right, I do think he's safe. And that, that probably does explain why people are comfortably putting him into their sights. Yep. Callum Mills is next. He's $642,400. Um, just 6.4% ownership. So interesting where you're going to go with this one. <laughs> when you say just, you, if you're forcing my hand into saying underrated. Um, no, it's just a small number compared to what we've been looking at. It's, it's half of Laird who's the next lowest in the next like five guys. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to probably – I think it's a tiny, tiny bit underrated, not not massively underrated. And I, I think that's because people are well aware of the risk with Mills, so it's not a pick for the faint-hearted. He's very much thrown around as Sydney's Mr. Fix-It. You know, he can end up in the back line. He can end up on the wing, which is a terrible Supercoach role. But at the same time, he's probably got the best ceiling in the whole of Supercoach. You know, he scored 214 last year, and he had multiple times that he was around 100 Supercoach points at halftime. Um, one of those games, I specifically remember he got thrown into the back line um, after halftime. And then I think he ended on like a 140 or 150. So that killed that one off. But he's definitely one of those like guys that can win you the game. Um, but at the same time, as Warner and Robottom keep mounting their case in that Sydney midfield, they're getting more and more CBAs. We saw a trend after the, I think it was after round 10 or so last season. Um, those guys, Warner and Robottom, started pushing their CBAs up into like the um, like 40s and 50%, and Mills dropped from the mid-60s to the mid-40s to accommodate that. So if that's a trend that goes forward in, in 2023, then Mills is probably fairly, probably even slightly overpriced if you don't think that, if you think that's going to be his role for the whole season. It's just they need 
you know, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. They need someone else to get out. And I think if Parker pushes forward and Mills stays at that stale 60% CVAs and is even underpriced. So um, it's it's like a very fickle break-even point for the Mills. It could, he could be like vastly underrated and he could also be vastly overrated. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I'm going to say underrated just because, as you mentioned, he, he does have one of the highest ceilings. Um, when you think of guys who could potentially be M1 after five, six, seven, eight weeks, um, he's one of the guys you could actually mount a case for um, if the role was right. Now, that is a big if, but I'm surprised there aren't more people taking the gamble because supercoach players in the past have been known to to gamble on the high-range players um, that could potentially throw their hat in, in the race or their name in the hat in the race, in, in, in the name hat race. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Mills is, is underrated at this point of the season, but um, all it takes is one big preseason game and that number will, will double. <laughs> we'll, we'll see it happen if, if it does. So um, very interesting. Now, um, Pistol, we're just going to take a short break here before we get into the next set of midfielders. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Okay, so next up we have Marcus Bontempelli, $639,500. He's 23.5% owned. And given what we just saw from their match simulation during the week, uh, I, I'm interested as to where you land on Bont. I'm going to say underrated still. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not paying too much attention to the intra-club match. They played five key talls with Bontempelli, the fifth. I mean, I, that's ridiculous. That's I would be... <laughs> beyond shocked if that was what they carried through to any sort of practice game even it's just it's not even just one too many it's multiple too many so uh, for me I, I'm, I'm going to ignore that and I'll watch them in the intra club and see what happens but Bontempelli with more midfield time with lob in the side so there's less of a chance of him going forward I say touch wood um, to me it just seems like he's in for a big year and you know, Dunkley's gone. I, I think he's the main man of this this Bulldogs midfield. And if they want to push for a flag, it's going to come on the back of Bontempelli. So for me, at his price, he's, he's going to be good. And that ownership probably doesn't reflect the, how strongly I feel about him. Yeah, I think the only time he gets thrown forward is, is when there's a heavy tag. I, I don't really take notice of the intra-club either. Well, I did. I took notice of it. And then when I saw the type of lineup they were running with, it, it seemed super experimental. And I, I sort of fobbed it off as, you know, Bevo just having his wicked ways in the preseason. I mean, Caleb Daniel literally rucked. He took one, <laughs> one. ruck contest. He, he, Caleb Daniel rucked. That's when you know he's gone full circle. I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say 
Yes, he's yeah. a great ruckman. He's I think he's, he's probably year. underrated then. We didn't realise he'd I get think, ruck um, status. If he was getting hit outs to advantage, then that's, that's <laughs> a game changer for a defender. Um, if Bonds and Pelly and Tukmiller had inverse ownership, I think that it would be perfect. That, that would be yes. a representation of where I think the players should be. Yeah. Um, so obviously I sit on the underrated side as well. Um, his teammate Jackson McRae, $634,400, owned by 15.7% of the competition. Um, I'm gonna. I'll jump in first. I'll give you a rest if you want. Um, Thank you. I think he's adequately owned at 15.7%. His pros and cons are quite clear. Um, he doesn't average as well from the wing. Um, they've obviously lost Dunkley a little bit more. Um, midfield time has opened up, but they've also lost Lucky Hunter. So there's the potential that some wing time has opened up. Um, I know they got Oscar Baker, but is he going to play 22 games? I'm not sure. Um, I just think it's very interesting, the dynamic of the Bulldogs this year. And I think with McRae, you're paying for a high-risk, high-reward um, type of player. And and the I suppose it's not high-risk. It's, it's like medium-risk, high-reward. Um, because if he does not get that role, you know he's still good for about 115, which is just fine for where he's at. Um, and the upside is good. So um, for me, he's a wait-and-see player. Um, but I can completely understand 15% of coaches wanting to take that risk off the off the rip. I'm going to go with overrated. Um, and wow. I think, yeah, I just I think Bevo's too I experimental. Like I, like I just don't really see how he's going to play the entire year in the midfield and have no wing time and no half-forward time. Like Bevo plays around with the magnets more than almost any other coach. And if they have other weapons at their disposal, like Daniel that they've been using, as well as Baz and Bont, I just find, well, where's McCraig going to play? He's not going to be benched. Like I think he is going to get adequate amount of wing and half-forward time. So for me, that means I'd hopefully be able to pick him up cheaper if he's still relevant, which I think he will be um, at some stage of the season. I don't think it's a risk worth taking in my starting squad. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm going to say overrated. I got a couple of quicker ones for you. Andrew Brayshaw, sixteen point two percent. I think that's adequate. Um, he has upside. He's a young guy. He's still improving year on year. His ceiling is really good. His floor is really bad. Um, Frio have a decent start to the season, so I think he could pop out some big scores, and that's why you're starting him to get those big scores. And then you miss it, and you buy him when he's on the on the cheap, and then he is average for the rest of the season, like what happened last year. Um, so I think that ownership is probably reflective of people trying to capitalise on some of his hopefully high early scores. I will make a note, though, that if St Kilda do tag, um, they've got you yeah. know, round, round one meeting with Brayshaw and that might be bad. So, yeah, I, I think... West Coast, uh, West Coast play Fremantle early days as well, don't they? Uh, well, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. I, okay, I'm going to assume they do. I, I feel like Brayshaw is more taggable to the lower teams than he is to the higher teams. I think higher teams just do their own thing in the, in the midfield, whereas the lower teams try to actually put a core on someone. Uh, GWS do it with Perryman. Um, St. Kilda might be doing it with either Jack Steele or like, a, I don't know, a Winhager or something that comes in. Um, and then West Coast have done it to him countless times in the past. So... I'm actually more concerned. I think he's overrated um, by about 6.2%. If he was in 10% of teams, I think that'd be about right. Um, I can't believe that percentage ship. I, I really thought he'd be a lot lower than that. So uh, I'm going to go with overrated. Hmm. Okay. Didn't expect that one. We'll move on to Crips at 611,900 in 12.1% of teams, JB. How do you feel about this one? 
Uh, again, I'm going to go overrated. Uh, 611K, look, I know people might look at this and say, you know, the, the price is attractive for what he did at the beginning of the season. Um, but the, the price is unattractive for what he did in the second half of the season. Um, he really has down patches, and I'll be absolutely beside myself if this is his lowest price of the year. I think he's absolutely going to be affordable throughout, and he just doesn't have that run of games where with, without throwing in a lower score or a, an injury-affected score or, or a score where he plays ruck or something like that, like... It's just so strange with the the Crips dynamic at Carlton. It's like he's too selfless in his role at times, and it really hurts his super coach um, status. So I'm going to say overrated at 12.2%. I think I might say underrated, but only because the, not <laughs> not like outrageous. massively. I mean, if you agree, Brayshaw. I said Brayshaw adequate, and you said unders. But if I'm comparing the two of them, I don't really see why there'd be too much of an ownership difference. It's very similar sort of selections, right? You're picking Crips because you want that big run of early games that Richmond should beat up on in round one. And he's got that potential to put out a couple of 150s in a row. And he also has a potential like Brayshaw to put out absolute stinkers. So I see them as very similar. And I don't think there's a good reason for Brayshaw to be in 4% of teams more than Crips. So for that reason, I'm going to say underrated, but I, I think it is consistent because yeah. you said Brayshaw adequate and Crips is owned by less. I said Brayshaw six point two percent overs, yeah, and Crips is owned by more than ten percent. So we've both been very consistent there, without meaning to. Um, the next one is Darcy Parish three point eight percent ownership. I might say this could be my my super unders. Wow, I think <laughs> this um, is crazy. This is all just coming at me really quick. <laughs> 3.7% seems really low for a guy that has like a clear injury impacted game. Like he was subbed out at, at on 51 points. So so worst case, he's, you know, his price at 110 and take out his injury impacted game goes to 115 where other guys don't have that pretty much, I'll, I'll put in quotations, like built in value that that parish has. So I, I don't really understand how Bradshaw is in like 16.2 and Crips is in 12.1, but then Parrish is only in 3%. Um, that seems a bit silly to me. I mean, Parrish didn't have one of those massive games that he had in 2021 where he put out like a 190 and 174 and I think it was a 160 odd or something like that as well. So um, I think he's got that upside. He didn't hit it last season, those real high ceiling games. He could hit them again this year if Essendon are going to be a little bit more competitive, but they do have a much easier draw this year than they did last year um, because of how they finished. So I think that there is upside here. Wow, I'm really high on 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 Essendon players. I just realised, and I, yeah, scarily high. Yeah, I and I don't. I'm not a big Essendon fan. It's uh, interesting. Anyway, wait until we get to Draper. But um, Parish, I am going to stick with my my super super unders. Wow. I, I did not expect that. Um, I'm going to say obviously underrated. Um, based on the 10% guideline I gave myself earlier, I, I'm going to keep <laughs> sticking to it. Um, yeah, I, I think he should be more owned than both of the two previously spoken about midfielders. Um, I see the upside in Parish. I see the downside in Parish. Um, but I think the upside is clearly more visible than the other two guys, in my opinion. Um, I think Parish has just shown more in terms of potential 120 plus average, whereas the other two... Um, I don't think I've shown enough to, to do that anymore. Uh, Crips obviously did it early days, but um, I think we've lost a lot of faith since the early days. So 
yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna say underrated, but um, I, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna use my super. I've already used it, but I wouldn't use it on this <laughs> anyway. Um, next, we've got Jack Steele, nineteen percent owned, six hundred and four thousand. Neither of us are owners, so I wonder where we land on the nineteen percent ownership. Um, I think it's I think it's unders. <laughs> It's underrated. Yeah, I do think it's under 19%. Yeah, I do. Um, At the end of the day, it's Jack Steele who should be going 115 plus and he's priced at under 110. So I see. I see the value there at 604k. Um, I have concerns over the game style that um, Ross Lyons seems to be implementing in terms of more midfield rotations, and that's why he's not in my side. But just like if I take the game opening and people putting in players into their side, I mean, a lot of people have really happy memories of Jack Steele. I mean, he, he put through a period where I think he averaged 140 at some stage before his injury. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's a guy that does a lot. He gets a lot of possessions. He tackles a lot. He's got a high floor. There's a lot of real big positives that I'm surprised that I'd say it's only 19%. I feel like he's a much better player for Supercoach than Brayshaw, and there's only like a 3% difference. So, um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that Brayshaw as my adequate um, level and then right. say <laughs> based, on, based on that, Steel is like underrated. Okay, I do understand that logic. Um, I'm going to say overrated um, by about four percent, but I understand. I understand the selection. I understand romanticizing Jack Steele. Um, I understand more that the uh, the Ross Line era might have a, a profound impact on him, um, positive or negative. I I don't know, and that's why I'm not selecting him. Um, he's 604k. If he was 20k cheaper, um, I'm all for it. I think at that point he's underrated, but being 605k um, with with some very likable players beneath him, um, I, I just think I don't think people that are selecting Jack Steele um, that people might have, but I, I don't think a lot of players selecting Jack Steele have done their uh, due diligence on the players beneath Jack Steele price wise. Um, so obviously we'll speak about them shortly, but he just seems like an easy pick, but not the right pick for me. So I'm going to say a little bit overrated there. Hmm. No, it's interesting. That's probably my first real disagreement. Strongly disagree with you, but that's fine. I guess that's why oh. it's good to have different uh, opinions on the podcast. <laughs> it is. It is. Please comment below who you agree with uh, in regards to Jack Steele. Um, genuinely on, on the Twitter, find us on the Twitter and comment below. Um, Josh Kelly, $582,300, 2.7% owned, and it is being rumored that JB had to include this guy at gunpoint um, by Pistol's request. Um, not an actual gun, but you yourself, Pistol. You know. uh, <laughs> oh, so what are lame. your thoughts on the 2.7%? I've used my super my super move, so I can't oh, use it again. I'll give you another one if you um, want to spend it here as well. <laughs> I'll give you a step. I'll, I'll let you empty up. No, you I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Um, I think it's underrated though. Um, 2.7%. Look, I get it. I, Josh Kelly, injury prone, bad memories. I'm having like war flashbacks <laughs> oh, of, you do me, of, me, of me starting him over Oliver in like three of the last five years and it just going terribly every single time. Um, but I might do oh. it again this year. <laughs> you seem super self-aware as to why I'm, you shouldn't do it. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm really considering doing it again. Um, I find reasons to find Josh Kelly in my side, um, which is ironic given um, where I think of him as a footballer. But I just think for Supercoach, 
he's going to play as a midfield in the midfield because Taranto and Hopper left, right? So we all are on the same page that he's going to be in the midfield, and they I'm have not, a really I'm easy. Not at all on that page. Okay, well, he's going to play some midfield. He's not going to be fully out of the midfield. They didn't have enough midfielders for him to be fully out of the midfield. No, no, he won't be fully out of the midfield, but he never has been. No, he's not has been, but I think he's, he'll have an uptick in CBAs compared mm. to last season. And mm. when you have him at this price when he's a really good scorer and they have a really easy first five rounds, I think there's just a lot of reasons to start him over some of the other guys that are slightly higher priced than him. So for only 2.7%, I think he's, he's under-appreciated. Under okay. I can't I'm, remember what the words we're using. Overrated. I think I'm he's underrated. Overrated. No, I'm <laughs> um, I think he's you adequately could. rated. I think yeah. he's adequately rated yeah, at 2.7%. Um, you, you spoke about all his flaws. You, you didn't even wait for me to do that. Um, <laughs> and I just don't think that midfield dynamic needs Josh Kelly. I think, he, I think he's good on the wing. I think he's very good on the wing. I think he's elite on the wing. Um, and I think that's what suits him and that's where he's going to stay. Um, and with that, I don't think he's a 110, 115 plus guy. I think he's, he's a 120 about, plus guy. I think he's about <laughs> where he is. I think he's about 105 to 110 and he's just going to keep peppering that mark. So um, I think he's adequately rated by the community there at 2.7%. That's a pass mark. Josh Kelly is and always has been an IQ test and 2.7% <laughs> of people are failing that IQ test right now. Um, I'm going to go to the next guy, and it's Luke Davies Uniac, 6.1%. Um, I'll jump ahead of you on this one, Pistol, go for it. because I like doing that sometimes. I'm going to say underrated. Ah, um, having seen that. his North Melbourne intra-club match, um, he was the number one midfielder, and when he was the number one midfielder last season, um, post-buy, he averaged about 115 supercoach points. So... Um, with that information, I think his upside is quite clear and 6.1% of coaches, um, I, I just think those coaches ha- have snapped onto it um, efficiently, but I think he could have a few more coaches jump on um, and, and take the risk there. I I'm not in that price point. Um, I'm not double dipping in that price point. I have one guy in there, but if I were to, uh, Davies Unak would be that guy and he has been in my team for a lot of this preseason. Yeah, I... Well, he's been in my preseason team the whole time. He's still in there. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I'll be double dipping that price point by the end of the preseason, but currently I am. Um, I think it's an adequate 6.1%. I think there's enough risk that he can't make the jump into the top tier of Supercoach midfielder, and he's not. He's priced at 557k, right? So you you better be damn sure that he's going to make it into that next tier of. Um, of midfielder if you're paying this, this price because otherwise it's no man's land and a bad pick and I think there is risk that North Melbourne are just terrible and they can't you know get anything going this year and they don't get much of Supercoach pie and it impacts him um, and I do think that's a concern having watched them in the intra club game where I did not feel good watching them play and their their skills on show there so I have I am a little bit worried um, about him and I think the six point one percent is kind of reflective of his risk versus reward um, yeah, projections. This next one might be the most interesting one of the podcast. Tom Green, $534,600, owned by 19.1% of coaches. Oh, skipped a couple of the guys I wanted to talk about, but we'll jump into no, Tom no, Green. No, we're skipping them. We're skipping them. I'll, I'll, I'll give a flyby after this. Uh, Tom Green, 19.1%. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say underrated. 
Um, oh, there it is. Yeah, he... Look, I, I, I don't think it's vastly underrated. I think it's a little bit underrated. I think most people should have one, at least, one of these uh, you know, around 550k guys in their team, just structure-wise, as a price point to jump on anyone that starts really hot. I just feel like Tom Green is the one that's most likely to start really hot compared to the others, purely because, you know, Taranto and Hopper left. The midfield is his. He's a super talented player. He averaged massive numbers in the, the juniors. He's a big boy. They have a really soft opening draw, as I've mentioned before, with, with Jelly. Um, everything's just lining up for it to be Tom Green's season, and I want to be living in it. So for me, it's, it's slightly unders um, still at, at 19.1% ownership. I agree. Underrated, 19.1%. He's in my team. He hasn't left my team. Um, I think if he was priced 50K more, he would still be in my team. And that's why I think 19.1% is underrated. If you start looking at a player and going, you know what, I would pay an extra 50K for him, it starts to one. It starts to make you think, why is he not in like almost all the teams? And obviously, he's never going to be more than 30%. He's a bit risky, yada, yada. But... Um, when people see him play in the preseason, um, if he has the role that we expect him to, I think a lot of minds will shift into Tom Green time. Uh, and my mind has been there all preseason. So I'm going to say underrated. Um, we'll go through one more guy, then we'll get your, your drive-wise in. Sure. Uh, so Tom Mitchell, $528,600. He's owned by 27.2% of the competition. Now, not for any reason. I won't give away whether I'm going over or under, but that number st- was staggering to me. <laughs> I can only no, imagine no why. Though. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm also going to lean overrated. Um, I really don't think that Tom Mitchell can average 110 plus in that Pies midfield. I think we're going to be playing Dugowie as that number one mid. I think there'll be that rotation between Titch, Adams, Crisp, Dacos, Pendlebury for the other two slots, and I. I don't know if he gets enough. CBA time um, to be able to average 110 plus. I know people are saying he's going to be the, the number one mid, and I, I can see that perspective. I just think it's going to be Dugowie and not Tom Mitchell. Um, we have too many midfielders that run through. We have too much speed that we like to have on the ball. We have these like really nice running handball change at chains. If you look through the Collingwood match sim highlights, where we're a run and carry team because we don't have good foot skills, um, and I don't think Tom Mitchell he provides he that first. That. No, yeah, he provides that first handle to get it going, but then he just can't keep up. Dacos improves that. Dacos improves that, but a bunch of, a bunch of guys. I mean, Crisp is really fast. Dugowie's really fast. Like most of these guys, I mean, you get it to them and then they take off. But I just don't think Tom Mitchell can keep up with the chains to be able to get on the end of the chains as well. So I I think he is underpriced based on five twenty eight, but I don't think that makes necessarily him a good pick. So I don't think he's going to go up enough. That is going to be, you know, worthwhile uh, money maker, and I don't think he's going to hit the primo levels. So, kind of feels just in no man's land. Um, and for that, at twenty seven percent, when I think he's like actively much worse than Tom Green, like much worse than Tom Green, then I, I just don't get it. Um, so it's a it's a no for me. And for that reason, I'm using my super under. <laughs> uh, sorry, super over. Please, please, super over. Um, I think he's overrated as hell. Uh, 27.2%, 8.1% more than Tom Green. Um, I cannot possibly for the life of me see the upside 
um, that I see with Tom Green in Tom Mitchell. So uh, I think he bounces back to 105-ish, um, which is great. Maybe maybe even towards 110, like a little bit closer to 110. Um, but anything more than that, and you're really, really stretching it. Um, I don't think he has that in him. And I don't think the role is going to be as good as what people think. He can be proficient as a forward. Um, he did show last year that if he goes off the half-forward flank, that he can still get the ball and, and can still move it on. So... I would be surprised if it was this amazing 90% CBA Brownlow Tom Mitchell coming back to, to us. Um, and honestly, if he does become 110 plus, then I'll just bite the bullet. But I think the risk is way, way, way more that over, uh, sorry, underrated than 27.2%, like way more. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to quickly touch on some drive-bys, uh, Chad, Chad Warner, 7.2%. Um, Bailey Smith at 3.5% and Noah Anderson at 3%. Um, I think out of all of them, the one that tickles my fancy the most is probably Noah Anderson. Um, I just think he's a really, really good footballer and he can take it up. He's got another level in him. And um, I don't I don't necessarily think that he's going to be able to average 110, but I think 105 um, or just slightly more than that is definitely on the card. So I understand people that want, that are happy with that price, uh, his price point and that average. And then um, I can understand him being in their sides. I'm not, I don't really see that with Warner. So I'm going to say it's 7.2%. That's overs. And Bailey Smith, I think, is somewhere between those two. And that's where the ownership sits. So that's probably adequate as well. Okay. Now into the rucks we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So we we are just going to dive straight into the ruckman. We're going to start off with uh, the the highest price ruckman. Obviously, that's that's kind of what it, that's not what describes a premium, I guess. Um, Max Gorn <laughs> owned by three point six percent of teams, over or under? Uh, that's overs <laughs> to me. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Let's just agree straight away without doing the the bloody da. That is overrated. Yeah, it's as simple as Grundy comes in, he's now not going to be the sole. Well, I mean, it wasn't really sole right because Luke Jackson was there, to, to be fair to Gorn. I just think Grundy is going to get more time in the, the ruck than Jackson yeah, did. Much because Grundy's a very good ruck as well. So he's he's at full price, Gorn. I don't, don't want to be paying 622k for that. Throughout the season, might be able to pick him up for cheaper. So that's an easy one. Jared Witt's 12.8% at $605,000. I'm going to go with an adequate. I get it. All the rucks have fallen down and have massive flaws. I mean, Witz's floor is his price. He's very expensive. I don't think he averages what he's priced at. So you're overpaying, but you're you're paying kind of for the safety of a guy who should play 22 games, has a nice buy, and is currently not injured. So I understand the pick, um, and that's why I'll I'll give it an adequate based on that. I'm going to go slightly overs. I, I don't think he is completely safe to do 22. I think people are already forgetting that he's one year removed from an ACL injury uh, and leg injuries for big men tend to tend to re-emerge. I'm shocked that he had 22 in him last season. Um, it would shock me more to get 44 in two years from him. So um, 45 even as an extra game this year. Um, so I I think it's overrated at the moment, um, but I, I, could, I could see that backfiring, I guess, but I think it's overrated. Um, Tim English, 581K on the dot, 22.3% ownership. And now this is another staggering ownership for me. I'm going to say underrated. <laughs> um, honestly, 
I don't think there's another Ruckman with as much upside as Tim English. And I get it, the injury proneness. He's already been injured like multiple times in the preseason. But that's kind of why you start him if he's named round one because then you can trade him out. And until that point, you're hoping you get some big 160 scores, which he's shown that he's able to string a couple together. And he's somebody that not only can price you out, but he scores... He can score so well and so rapidly that you can just rocket up the leaderboard on his back. And I think the other Ruckman don't really give you that. And if I'm not picking... Like, I don't have a good option for a second Ruck, as most people do. I mean, outside Marshall, if you pick English. Um, and if I'm only picking Marshall and I'm struggling with my second one, I may as well pick the most, the biggest upside guy. So I'm not, not super sure on all the other percentages of the Ruck since it's all being spread out, but I would have thought English would probably be in a more teams than 22.4% based on that. So so that's where I'm sitting until uh, until there's another injury. So this is how I discovered my Jared Witts over under. So I think Marshall is, is a massive lock, and we're going to talk about his percentage later. Now, the second rock, you can choose Jared Witts or save 25K and choose Tim English. And that's why I think both Jared Witts is overrated and Tim English is underrated. I, I think those oh, wow. percentages from Gorn and Witts should go into English, um, essentially. So... Um, if you're going to spend up, like you said, chase the the ultra upside. Um, Jared Witts' second half of the year last year was was not great, uh, and Tim English showed us that he can you know be, become unattainable, become over, like ridiculously high priced, uh, and go on a stretch of games that is is just vice captainable even. So, I think he's unders at twenty two point three percent, mostly because every other ruckman has fallen over, including him. But if you're going to have someone fall over, you better like you get said, back you, you up again. You want the guy. Yeah, you want the guy. Um, Sean Darcy, 5.1%. I'm going to say adequate on this one. I think you've got all of the injury risk that you have with other rucks. You have the splitting of Jackson into the time. You have a sub out risk um, and a low ownership. And I think that's probably reflective of the risk. So, yeah, that's maybe, maybe even, maybe that's overs. Maybe, maybe he's overrated still. Wow. Yeah. I'm going underrated. Oh, okay. Well, that's a split. Yeah. I'm surprised there are 22.3% of people that are okay with Tim English's injury risk, but only 5.1% of people that are okay with Sean Darcy's injury risk. Uh, and if you're going to tell me it's Luke Jackson, I think actually Luke Jackson helps Sean Darcy's ruck situation this year, whereas Meek, was he's a ruckman. Uh, Luke, Jackman, Luke Jackson is an incredibly good forward. Um, so I think Darcy actually gets more ruck time this season. Uh, and can go back to potentially putting out some big, big scores. Definitely injury-prone, um, no doubt about it. That's why I, I don't think he should be in as many teams as English, but I don't see the, the split between English and Darcy, uh, why it's so large when they essentially do the same thing, uh, and Darcy's 20K cheaper. So that, that just surprised me a little bit. No, so just slightly under. Strong, unders. strong disagree. <laughs> but we move on. <laughs> fair enough. Riley O'Brien, 560K. Why are we talking about this guy on our podcast? 560k, 2.3% of teams. He's overs. He's owned by Why? overs. Why is he overs? Because he's not even securely in their best 22. And he's injury prone. I, I don't know if he's super injury prone. He got dropped. That's fun. I mean, he's not securely in their best 22. If you want to take out the injury prone, take it out. But he's not even securely in their best 22. He scores well when he plays, but if, if if you have to rule out someone if they're not in the best 22, I think that's probably a pretty safe thing to rule out somebody based on. So I will probably agree with you that it's still overs just because <laughs> I, I expect 
Philthorpe to, to Ruckmore or, or Strawn to, to come in um, and take some time um, away from him at some stage of the season at least. Yeah, he's just not young and he's not cheap. So, like, But he's not you, old, you talk, as I found out. <laughs> you, you talk about spending 2K extra to, to get Darcy or 20K extra to get English and it's just, this is like, why would you start Rob? Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd pay more for maybe not for Darcy, but for English for sure. I, look, don't get me wrong. I haven't owned Darcy. I I'm not advocating for Darcy, um, but his percentage ship makes less sense than a lot of other ruckmen here, which is why I went unders. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, Nick Nadanui, one point eight percent. I'm going to say underrated. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. I, I definitely think that's underrated. I mean, there's not many teams that are playing one ruckman, um, just like. West Coast pretty much are because you know Nick Nat's going to get the bulk of the midtime, but his time on ground is going to be low. And there's not many people that can score at the same rate that Nick Nat can. So if fit, which is the if, and that's probably where that risk comes into, um, he's still capable of putting out 110 plus scores, which not many other rucks can. So it's probably underrated at 1.8. That that number should be close to the Darcy's five, you know, five to ten percent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the percentage from Rob can just move to Nick Nat, please. Like it's the, you're looking at the same guy, but one guy's just a lot better. Um, Brody Grundy, five hundred twelve thousand nine hundred dollars. Um, he is in fifteen point nine percent of teams. Overrated for mine. Um, I, super. Not super. I think he's wow. I can understand it because he's a really good ruckman, and people are expecting him to still put out premium number scores. I just think Gorn is a better ruck than Grundy. And if that means Grundy is, you know, rucking in the forward half and Gorn's getting the back half, Gorn's got the better end of the deal, if that's the deal. Because, I mean, then Grundy has to rely on taking the marks and kicking goals. And he can do that, but he's not, it's not like he's amazing at that. Um, I just think that it's, you're more likely, based on a split, unless Gorn's not fit, I think you're more likely going to end up with a 95-type player. So you're going to mm-hmm. kind of get what he's priced at. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. he's priced adequately, and I think he's overowned. Um, it, it, oh, what did what did Melbourne say a couple of weeks ago? It was essentially that um, we weren't sure who was going to play more ruck. Essentially, it's going to be matchup dependent. Some weeks it'll be Gorn, some weeks it'll be Grundy. Yada yada yada. Um, oh my God, has there ever been a stinkier quote for for a player than Grundy might be the guy playing seventy percent forward for a game? Um, if he does that any given game, he just scores 60 or 70. Like it, it's just really bad for him. Um, he probably rucks in the forward line, which is great. Maybe maybe he puts out an 80, like it, it kicks a goal or two. But he just, he's not, he, like this is not going to be his lowest price of the year. It would shock me. Yeah, for sure. And and at the end of the day, one of those guys, Gorn or Grundy, is a sub risk every week. Yeah, big time. 100% they are. Uh, and, and he's not exactly not prone to injury these days. Yeah, I hate to say it, um, um, but it but is what it yeah. is. That, that's not the reason I wouldn't be starting him, but it definitely it definitely matters. Um, Rowan Marshall, 42.7% ownership. Um, can I go first? If you would like to. He's underrated. I'm going to say he's super underrated. <laughs> That's where I'm using mine. Wow. Um, Yeah, 42.7. The only Ruckman to not fall over so far this preseason and is a sole Ruck, which is a dying breed in in the league now. Um, Yeah, I I understand using your super there. He should always be in 80% of teams. I don't understand if you don't have Marshall. Who are the other two Ruckman? Because Marshall is a sole Ruck. He gets so much of the ball 
he scores super well. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But and he's it's, underpriced it's, at 92. It's it's 110 plus when he's Sol Ruck. Easy. And he's, he's a Sol Ruck. That's just what's happening. So I don't understand who else is being picked if he's only in 42%. Who are we going for? Like, I'll tell you. Okay, tell me. Darcy Cameron, $465,900 owned by 25.4% of the competition. He's overrated. I mean, he's currently in my side, but he's overrated, and I'm going to remove him from my side, I think. Um, there's just been too much Cox. Uh, oh man, Excuse me? I've, I've ruined it. Yeah, it, it, look, his, Cox has been so great Pardon? in this preseason, and he's looking really good and matched him, all that stuff. Cameron's been nursing an injury. They're going to come back in that first intra club, and what do you think is going to happen? It's definitely going to be a 50-50 split, maybe even more. Um, towards Cox as as Cameron huh? builds fitness. And if we see round one and there's Cox and Cameron in the side, which is What's what that? I currently expect there to be, um, Cameron is maybe slightly underpriced, but his high potential is probably like a 90, which isn't which isn't really good enough. So for me, it's, it's overs in 25%. Talk about a sub-risk. Darcy Cameron, 465K. 25% ownership. If I had a mega over, I would use it right now. Um, but unfortunately, we only have super overs. Uh, so <laughs> megas, megas for a whole other thing. That's in like the next Pokemon when they introduce like a brand new evolution. 25.4% um, I think is just overs, um, well, well overs. I think a lot of people are just romanticizing with the, the Darcy Cameron that ended last season. Um, that was when Collingwood was sort of forced to to make a change on the um, on the back of the Grundy injury. And they just say, you know what, Darcy Cameron's our guy. Mason Cox is playing forward every week. That, that's just what we're going to do. And now that they've had a preseason to think about it, they're like, wait, Darcy Cameron's actually a good forward um, Mason's winning a lot of hitouts to advantage more than more than what Darcy's doing. Um, maybe that's just not the split that we do. Maybe maybe it's similar to fifty fifty or um, sixty forty, which isn't quite good enough. Or sixty forty Cox's way. So it's just very interesting how this dynamic is going to go. And for such a risky pick, twenty five point four percent owners, um, which I am no longer a part of, is is crazy. Now that I look at it. All righty, so. I think the last ruck here is Scott Lysett at 429,900 in yes. only 3.4% of teams. How do you feel about that one, JB? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say overrated. Wow, okay. Explain that um, one. So I attended the Intra Club on Friday just gone uh, and Tickle was in our A-grade team. Now, I don't expect Tickle to play 22, 23 matches this year. Um, but the problem is, is I don't expect Lysette to either. And I don't know who fits in where and against what matchup and um, in what form and in what injury proneness, who does what. And that is the problem. I, I can't see Lysette stringing together four or five games consecutively this season. And that is a huge, huge issue when you're selecting someone who is a ruck only and you can't stash away somewhere else um, in the meantime. So... Uh, I think there's every chance that he plays early. I think there's every chance he's rotated out for Tickle. I think there's every chance that Tickle starts in the in the side early and he's rotated out for Lysette after a few rounds. Um, for example, I could see us playing Lysette and Finlayson against Max Gorn and, and Brody Grundy, um, but maybe Tickle and Finlayson against Royal Marshall. So it's just very interesting what we're going to do this year. 
I think that spot is wide open from now until the end of the season. Uh, so I wouldn't be picking either. Well, um, it's hard for me to say anything but overs if if you think he's not going to be best twenty-two or string five games in a row. So yeah, it's got to, it's going to have to be overs uh, for me, unfortunately. Oh, thank you for agreeing. No, no. Um, <laughs> With that being said, uh, we're going to move on to the forward line. Yes, no, no drive buys um, except you know it's a, we were not mentioning uh, Draper because it's a premium podcast. We wouldn't mention Draper in the mid price podcast. We, we, di- we didn't. <laughs> right. I've got a lot of nice feedback on that as well. I'm really appreciating uh, the uh, the Draper pictures being sent to me daily. Thanks very much, JD, for that. But um, yes, uh, uh, still. Any man that plays a full game and scores six points, um, I'm not going to consider. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be involved in your in your Twitter beef, Crystal. <laughs> so I'm just going to move forward. Literally, no, no beef. I'm going to move to the forwards. Yep. Um, Josh Dunkley, five hundred ninety-six thousand four hundred dollars, sixty-three point two percent owned. And if only I had my mega under. Mega under. Wow. Mega underrated. Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm what, what, do you, say- what do you What do you think? I'm going to say that this one is adequate. You're not going to say, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> okay, no, it's underrated. Um, I've just, look, new club. We saw Dunkley in 2019 as a midfielder. He went bananas. His scores were out of this world. There was a 202 in there. There was, I think, a 177 off the top of my head. This stuff is what you dream of when selecting a forward in Supercoach, or midfielder, I should say. And the fact that he's a forward is like mind blowing. Um, I think he can reach similar heights. I, JB, I don't know if this is a big call, but it would not be like it wouldn't surprise me if Dunkley was the highest scoring player in the game at the end of the year. I think he's got it a chance. Probably well, it's a cool. slim one. I think there's a chance he averages one thirty. Yeah, I mean. I'd be silly to argue that. I've seen what Josh Dunkley can do in a full-time midfield role, and uh, he's far removed from it, but he's not old. Um, he's prime, <laughs> and I can't believe the Bulldogs didn't do what he – like answered every single one of his demands, especially considering they weren't even using Bont and McRae in the midfield as much as they should have been. Um, to not fit Dunkley in there is hilarious, uh, and now he's going to go do – what he does best at a better team, um, better, I would say better list at the moment uh, yeah. based on where they finished the last few years. And potentially, I, I wouldn't be surprised, this is going to be another big call, if he was a Brownlow medalist in 12 months' time. That That is a big call. I think that's maybe so, a bigger call than mine. Maybe, maybe. I'm going to say unders as well, 63.2% um, unders. He should actually be in 100% of the teams. This is the longest um, conversation about Dunkley that I've had. Yeah, yeah. The whole uh, simply put, I'm going, to, I'm going to say what I said earlier, uh, that this is an IQ test and 37% of people are failing the IQ test. Um, Cornelio is the next one, 23.7% owned at 557K. That's it's more than I thought to be to be honest with you at twenty three but like that that's a hefty ownership percentage. I think that's probably fair. I like Cornelio as a pick. I think that GWS draw early days is really good. Um I do think Cornelio is gonna be the next or maybe not the next best midfielder, but at least in the top four midfielders, uh forward, sorry, um, for the season and he will outscore his current price. 
Um, but there is that, he is injury prone. Um, there is that risk there. And, you know, just under 25% of teams, I think that's probably reflective of the risk. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's fine. What about you? I think he's underrated. I think a lot of teams are looking at him and his price and saying there are cheaper forwards. There's Rosie, there's Taranto, they could value. Um, I'm going to go with those guys over the 557K guy um, who's actually also underpriced because he did also spend a lot of time forward last year, hence the mid-forward status, um, until he didn't. And when he didn't, he averaged over 110 uh, in the midfield, which I would expect him to do this year because all that's happened at GWS is they've lost midfielders. Um, so what's going to happen with Cornelio? Is he going to play more or less midfield time or the same? Um, it doesn't matter. He's just not going to play less. Um, so based on that, 110 is his upside, which I think is actually reflected more so of 110 plus. Um, and at that upside, 557K could easily be his lowest price of the year. Um, so I think he represents great value and 23.7% of teams um, does not reflect that value. So I think he's underrated. Okay, no, it's definitely an interesting one. I want to ask you about this guy, uh, formerly known as your boy, Zach Butters, 529000 we'll, we'll see what you say about this. $529,400, oh, 9.6% of teams. Overrated or underrated, JB? Underrated, come on. Zach Butters could average 110, easy, with both feet tied behind his head. How would he kick the ball? That would be very interesting. Uh, it doesn't matter. He'd, he'd find a way. Um, no, no. Butters, 9.6% of teams, I think is adequately rated. Um, Form, think, formerly known as your boy, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people might have said, might have thought that I would actually stick with underrated. Um, but no, adequately rated, 96 Look, he just carries a lot of injury risk um, with him. And with that... Um, there's every chance that his 529k is actually his cheapest point, um, but there's every chance that it's actually 100k over his cheapest point. Um, 100k over his cheapest, 100k over, yeah, 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 100k <laughs> over his cheapest point. Um, so with that risk, um, I think 9.7 of people, 9.6% of people are ballsy. I respect it, um, but for me, I think there are four better options in the forward line, and I have all four of those options. So there's just no room for Zach Butters until he's by. He's currently injured, which is why he didn't play the intra club. He's not injured. Well, he didn't play, so he was injured enough that they didn't want him to play. Injured enough for an intra club, but yeah. it was said by the, by the team that if that was a practice match even, even the preseason practice match that he would have played. I don't so want, it's like he's not injured. I don't he want just got held guy, out of an intra club. Yeah, but I don't want to pick a guy that's going to not be at 100% going into you're a not, game. You're not you, – no, stop. <laughs> Every single AFL player would have an AC bruise during the season Absolutely. about 20 times. But so you know why when? is it now not, an issue because Butters one. has missed an intra-club? He's it's just missed an intra-club. My player can have a bruise. He's not missing round one. He's I, missing an intra-club. I know, I know that, but I'm, my player can have a bruised AC joint at round 10 and play sore through the rest of the year. That's fine. I don't want my guy coming into round one playing sore for the whole year. He's not playing sore. It's, it's, it's well, he precautionary. Didn't play. Yeah, exactly. I but don't like, want him to play sore. <laughs> so... Wait, you said Tim English was unders and that guy's had like eight hamstring strains. Yeah, because he's like got he's... potential to blow me out of the water with his So point. does Butters. 
I don't think it's. But to he's the played same midfield last year and averaged 105 plus. He I, could easily blow you out of the water. He's I, priced at 96. I think it's it's literally a hundred percent chance that Butters doesn't play 22. Like, 100%. it's definitely not a hundred percent. Hundred percent, he he won't you, play 22. You would have lost a lot of money on Nick Nat two years ago. I don't know if I would have made the same bet. I probably would have. But you, what? but is way more injury prone. <laughs> yeah, and being being managed by the club. I just I think Butters is a human. So is it over or under? Ball. No, I think it's adequate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we we move on. Um, no, good, I agree. My main though. issue with Butters actually, <laughs> I was asking the preseason about Butters versus Rosie. Um, we we tend to coddle Butters and protect him from himself at times. Uh, so I can see the the floor dropping out um, beneath him at times in terms of not not just missing games, which which he has the potential of doing, um, but being rested during games if he gets a bit of a knock at some point, which scares me. So um, it's enough reason for me to not start him, but I completely understand the upside. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying overs based on a, a bloody AC joint <laughs> bruising uh, for an intra club. And the next one is his teammate, Connor Rosie, 513,800, um, 36.7% owned. Now, before you answer, did you watch the Port Intra Club on Friday? I did not watch the Port Intra Club on Friday. Your answer might be different than what everyone else who watched the Intra Club might be then. So what is, what is your answer? Um, I am going to say adequate. Um, leaning, okay. leaning and adequate to leaning to... Underrated, but like between those two points, um, I yep, think. Yep. I think it's a lot of teams. Thirty-six point six, like that yeah. is that's a hefty amount of teams. But I do think that he is a special type of player playing midfield. He can put up some extreme scores because he's also a good ball user and can get a lot of the ball. So that's two big ticks for Super Coach. He is a little bit lightweight um, for a midfielder, but Nick, Nick Dacos is going to have the same sort of. You said Nick Dacos is like a top two midfielder in the league. Offensive he weighs midfielder. like 60 kilos. You can be offensive. And I think Rosie <laughs> is a very good. to Rosie. <laughs> I think Rosie is also a very good offensive midfielder. Don't get me wrong. These like very agile guys that can evade tackles and stuff like that. I just, my only small concern is based on his body type and his ownership is like super high. Um, mm. But other than that, I'm not really concerned. I think he's a fantastic pick, and I, yeah. I haven't made a team without him. Let's put it that way. No, I think he's adequately rated as well. I'm surprised at how many people are confident he gets the role. Like, I'm supremely confident, so like I understand if you. Well, what are did you see confident. when you watched? Oh, he was best on ground. He he was legitimately not just the best player on ground, but like if there was a three to one Brownlow voting system for an intra club, he got all six votes. Like right. he was so far and away. The best player on the field. It was it was crazy, but it's an intra club where yeah. you, it's he A's versus B's. So, beat Port. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not just that, but he had to beat Port's B side, um, which he did supremely well. So um, he ticked every box that I needed to see. Um, and our best midfield dynamic clearly has him in it. I think we were rated fourth last year in the second half of the year with. It was Rosie Butters, Wines, and Finlayson was our our four guys. Yeah, ranked fourth among midfields. Um, so. He's in there. He has to be in there. There's no other way Ken Hinckley keeps his job if he's not in there. So um, he's essentially forced the coach's hand uh, to put him in there, and he's done extremely well at it. So, um, But I think it's an adequate price point. I think all your concerns were valid. Um, and 
I don't think he's exactly a slam dunk to go 110 or anything. So, yeah, adequate. There's a lot of teams to be in. Yeah. Um, Toronto's in more teams, 503,100. I'm going to kick us off by saying overrated. Well, it would make sense if he's in 49.1 and Rosie's 36.6 and I rate Rosie higher that he shouldn't he should be below 36.6% of teams um, just for that rating system to make sense, JB. So yep. I, I'll yep. agree with you and say that he's overrated. I just think Rosie can kick and Taranto can accumulate and can't kick. Um, I guess the upside for Taranto is obviously there because he's going to be a full-time midfield instead of a hybrid. So I he's still on my side and I'm still selecting him. I'm just wary that more possessions for Taranto doesn't necessarily mean more super coach points because we saw games where he scored like 60 super coach because he couldn't hit a target. And that might happen again next year. I really wonder if Zach Butters was 500k flat and Taranto was 530k, um, would would we see more discussion on that head-to-head there? Because I've only ever had Taranto. I haven't had Butters in my team either. Um, and the price is just so attractive. He's priced at 91. I can't possibly see him going sub 95. Um, but if he was priced at 96... It's yeah. like it's a bit more of a thought process behind it, whereas Butters is the higher price guy. So it's like it's really easy to just say, like we see upside in both, but Taranto is just like a tap in at that price range. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he's overrated mostly just because I, I don't think enough people have looked into his statistics and his kicking and his body as well. Um, I don't know how many full seasons he's put together yet. Uh, so I think he's overrated for that point. Like forty nine percent of teams is crazy. It's so many teams. teams. Um, we rarely see players up around the 40-plus mark, um, especially at this time of the season. So I, I do think it's of concern that people just aren't looking into the pick at all. But um, when you do look into the pick, I still, <laughs> he still probably lands in your side. So like, it's not crazy overrated. I think... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For me, he's the clear fourth out of those four premium midfielders that that we've spoken about. So if you're only running three, like I get it. I just currently how it stands with the 
the rookies coming through, uh, especially the volume in the back line and the uncertainty of the forward line rookies. I think we're being kind of not forced, but strongly persuaded to starting with four premium midfielders purely because that's where the rookies are dictating our structures. So um, yep. I think you, I think you can, forwards, four yeah. Premium forwards. Yeah. yeah, I think you can fit all, all four in comfortably. Yeah, they're all, all four in my team and I feel very good about it. And I think actually all four represent incredible value. I think all four are underpriced like crazy. Uh, so when, when it does come to like toying with a third premium defender or something, I find it impossible to take anyone out of the forward line because they just all seem yeah. so nailed in for me. Um, the last guy we're going to talk about is Ben Cunnington, 419,000. He's 10% owned. Um, and I, I just thought it was interesting to throw in the back end here. Um, you obviously watched the intra club very closely. Um, you, you noticed he was probably their M2, uh, their second guy in, in terms of rotations through those CBAs. Um, he doesn't represent incredible value in terms of he should be priced much lower based on his last season. But the fact that he has forward status just makes him incredibly intriguing uh, because the ben, ben Cunnington of old um, would, would eat that up. You'd have him locked into your team. I liked what I saw in the intra-club game. Um, I think he was probably hovering between 50 and 60% CBAs. He got the first shovel handle out on heaps of occasions. He rarely turned the ball over, to be honest. I think I, I was counting his possessions. I think I ended with 23 touches and three goals couple of tackles um didn't miss any barely any targets um the whole day but he i think the problem was that when he started forward it wasn't like a half forward role he was like starting in the goal square so when not in the midfield he was deep forward and he was good at it because he kept kicking goals and that makes me think that might be something that they go ahead with but on the other hand jb and a point that i haven't really seen much discussed online is at the end of the day it was an intra-club game they they want to get run through the middle through some other guys to test things out. And I think Cunnington probably played more forward because they know that he can already play in the midfield and they didn't need to seem to push that. Um, he was, I think, quite clearly on another level compared to um, Simkin and Zerhar and all of the other midfielders outside of LDU. I think if you're taking their best midfield mix, he is in it. And I in you know we've seen Clarko's coaching style before, and he's put a lot of trust in the old heads, and they've got given uh, considerable roles in his teams in the past. And if North Melbourne are getting trounced, I don't think it's likely that they shift Cunnington just you know into full forward and hope that the ball gets down to him. I think they put him in the midfield and say, "You get the ball out first, and you know try and make something happen." So I, I would expect that fifty percent CBAs to be on the lower side of what he gets in actual club games um, and, and round one. But I'm happy to watch him for the next couple of weeks. I think he looks good enough that this 9.9% is either adequate or unders. Um, and he still will make you, you know, that 50K. I don't know if he's going to make his, he won't make you 150K, um, but he, he will make between, you know, 50 and 100K and probably average around 95-ish if I had to, if you're forcing me to pick a number, which I know you weren't. Um, and that might be good enough when you're making the structure aside. I don't think it's a here or there pick. I like the guys who can just sort of springboard you into an early premium upgrade. And I think he offers that along with Nat5. So that is the discussion to be had, I think. Yep. Um, I'm going to say adequate for now, 10%. Yep. I'm going to watch him in the preseason and uh, my mind will probably change as to whether that's over or under. Probably under by the end of the preseason. So 
um, we'll see what happens. Now, that's going to wrap us up. Um, thanks very much for joining me. I'm sorry it was a long one, Pistol. I know, you, I know you've got places to be and people to see, but um, it, was good to, it was good to hash all that out and have that discussion. No, excellent. I uh, appreciate it very much. And if you've got any questions, follow-ups, let us know if you liked this format of podcast because we might do it again, uh, potentially. Um, Maybe. Yeah, we just tried something different. Might work. Might not. If everyone's telling us it's terrible, we won't do it again. That's fine. Um, but yeah, if let two us people know one. tell us it's terrible, we'll never do it again. <laughs> you can tell JB that at JB underscore DISC on Twitter, myself at pistol underscore DISC, or Cheezer with a Z, Cheezer underscore DISC, or the main uh, Twitter feed, which is doctor underscore SC. Uh, let us know. Oh, and good luck uh, for the next set of uh, Intra Pub games. Mm-hmm.